was just delicious and full of gravy and things and just like warm and comforting. Really? Yeah, what? it's like a little gravy filled cuddle. Save the planet and make it heal. You can help by eating a vegan meal. Come join us if you're vegan curious. Welcome back, listeners. We've got a cracking episode for you today. We certainly have. Uh, we are going to be covering the biggest story of January 2020, which or is, potentially of 2020. Which is, of course, as everyone knows, Greg's vegan steak bake. <laughs> no, uh, it's not that. Although okay. that is big news. Okay. And we will go on to some of the veganery offerings good, just good. a little bit later in the We've show. We've tried them all. No, this is about, actually, ethical veganism. Okay, so what 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 do you mean by that then? <laughs> Good question. Am I an ethical vegan? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's something for discussion later okay, in the show. Okay, fine. But this is a big case um, in that's going through the courts at the moment in the UK. Uh, and basically, there's been a ruling that deems ethical veganism to be a philosophical belief and therefore is entitled to the same rights as another religion or other philosophical beliefs. And we're going to be talking all about that with the lawyer who has led the case. Brilliant. Sounds really interesting. Absolutely. So that's coming up a little bit later. But first... Well, okay, so I'm feeling rather sick, a bit bloated, Mm. you know, just full of food because... It's veganery. Ah, right. Okay. okay so so people, you, you... people have this common misconception, okay, that veganery is like a time when people eat healthy vegan food. Who believes that? That's well, I, not true. I, I just think for vegans, I think, you know, it's like vegan Christmas again. Because all of a sudden you've got all these exciting new vegan foods, you know, coming to the market and you just want to try it all. So we Did have... you say healthy or unhealthy? No, unhealthy. We've oh, I thought you said all. healthy. Well, then, no. I mean, you know, look, you know, KFC, Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah. Greg, obviously, they're I terribly mean, unhealthy. Know, yeah. You know, we're not talking kale and uh, aquafaba here, are we? No, sadly not. Although I wish we were. Um, um, so Ashley and I have just actually come from Pizza Hut. We have literally hot for it from Pizza Hut, where we tried the brand new vegan pepperoni. Yeah. See what they did there? I, they yeah, clever? I liked that quite a lot, actually. Um, what, the pizza or the name? The name more than the pizza. All right, okay. So we'll come on to the pizza in a minute. Uh, but, okay, I want to ask you a question then. Okay, go. So I know you've had a few of the new veganery treats, and there are plenty of them. Yeah. What was your favourite and why? Uh, it, it's it got to be the Greg's Steak Bake. Really? Yeah, I think so. Why is that then? It was just delicious and full of gravy and things and just like warm and comforting really yeah it's like a little gravy filled cuddle (laughs) (laughs) vegan cuddle have you ever had a like not vegan greg steak bake uh no i oh no but i did have i have had the chicken one though you know the what's it called I can't remember. There's a chicken version of it, anyway. And I've had one of those. But, okay, so you know, okay, the sausage rolls, great. Um, oh yeah, I don't know if they're authentic or not because it's a long time since I've eaten any kind of meat. But is this authentic? Um, so I know you've been doling around your office as well. So yeah, I did. Say? I actually, in an in an effort to attempt to make it slightly healthier for myself, or at okay. least not to consume like. 500 calories in one sitting and 12 grams of saturated fat and 12 grams of saturated fat yeah see the blog for more details um i actually bought one and split it between the people that were in my office um so we had a little spare each um and i the feedback was it was 
relatively authentic. Clearly, the consistency of the, the meat, um, inverted commas, was not uh, particularly authentic. But it, honestly, the star of the show was the gravy and the kind of consistency and the texture. And okay. yeah, it was good. I liked it. I mean, uh, you know, versus the rest of the veganuary offerings that I've had so far. Okay. What so, about you? What's well, your well, I read your review. Oh, did- <laughs> and got really excited. Like, oh, this could be really interesting, you know. Right. Went down to Greg's in Dalston and um, it was okay. That's all I'm going to say. I was actually quite disappointed. Okay. Well, you know, it reminded me of um, like a Lynn McCartney kind of pie. They do those steak pies. It's, I mean, it tasted fairly similar. I know this is corn and Linda McCartney is wheat yeah. protein, but... I love Linda McCartney pies. <sighs> yeah, they're Don't okay, you? though. I mean, they're okay. It's just... Well, I, what were I, you expecting for, you know... Maybe I was expecting of kind of bigger chunks of steak. Maybe oh, that's what it was. Because oh, okay. it was like baby mince type stuff. Yeah, So it was I think bit, maybe yeah. what in my head, I was expecting to bite in this kind of like yeah. real succulent meatiness that wasn't there. Uh, no, it's like a shepherd's pie in a pastry. Okay, but that view. doesn't sound quite as catchy no, as baked, Yeah, maybe it? we'll edit that bit out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so come on then, you disagree with me. Okay. What's your favourite? Well, I, you know, I haven't been in the KFC for probably 20 years plus. <laughs> right. Okay. I actually um, can't even imagine you in a KFC. Okay, but... so, you know, I thought, well, you know, doing my research for being curious. So I went to the, my local KFC, went in, said, have you got the new vegan... KFC, which is the Zero Chicken yeah, Burger. Yeah, Zero Chicken Burger. And the guy said, yeah, we got it. Have you been selling them? Yeah, I've been selling loads. Okay, can I have chips with that? No, you don't want chips. So why don't I want chips? Because chips aren't vegan. Mm. Uh, and then, so, okay, I'll have a Diet Pepsi. Uh, you don't want a Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi's not vegan. So, I mean, you know, this guy was really good. He was very uh, on very it. Very on it, We'll yeah. talk a bit more about that later, but I thought it was good. So I, even though I was getting this weird <clears> flashback <throat> of eating this chicken burger, I was remembering 20 years ago of having a chicken burger that I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the spices. I think it's just a bog standard kind of corn chicken burger. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not anything super exciting and different about it, apart from the spice mix is actually really good. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but it, it, it tasted quite complex for vegan food mm. in terms of the way the spices were kind of zinging around so. my mouth. Well, I don't know, zinging around your zinging mouth. Around my Isn't mouth. that don't they have a zinger burger? They have a zinger burger, obviously. That's yeah. A pun. Okay, but that's the other thing I would like. Okay, I'm, I'm now, you know, I'm not going to be rushing back to KFC anytime soon. Okay. But if they did the zinger thing and made it a bit more chilly and all that, that would oh, be really okay. good. Yeah. See, to me, uh, I, I mean, it was fine, and I haven't been in a KFC for a really long time, but when okay. I used to eat meat, I, uh, you know, occasionally went to McDonald's, and it tastes like a McChicken sandwich, basically. Yeah. Which is kind of what you want from these kinds of things, right? It's like... Okay, and it wasn't that filling, okay, and I checked no. the nutritional information out. It's actually only about 400 calories. It's not... Only? Oh, well, only, but that's a prep sandwich. Yeah, I know, but... The nutritional value of a pret sandwich is hopefully superior to the nutritional value. Well, of yeah, I guess so, maybe. Um, okay, so that's your favourite. Okay, but I have had others as well. What else have you had? Give us so a I went to Subway and had the meatball meatless marinara. Yeah, which was pretty good. The only thing, again, the vegan cheese is really cheap and really not very nice. Yeah. Um, you know the the actual meatballs themselves fairly similar to the Lynn McCartney ones. It's quite tasty. You put that okay. salt on it. Mm. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then I went to uh, Costa. So Costa's really lagging behind in terms of yeah. vegan food. I mean, they really need to pull their finger out. And they've got a vegan breakfast thing, which I haven't had yet, but they had a okay. ham and cheese thing, 
which I have to say was pretty disgusting. Oh. I mean, it was, you know, like not very nice bits of ham and kind of really soggy, stringy oh. cheese that didn't really work. And mm, okay. So good luck, you know, I'm really pleased with doing it. I, you know, I like going to Costa. Um <laughs> It's great. It's cheap. The coffee's okay. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You know what you're going to yeah, get. Service station, yeah, service stations. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully you know. they'll, they'll get better. I just think with all these things, we're at the beginning of a journey. Yeah, and the quality, hopefully, is going to get better as time goes by. Yeah. Um, and then the one other thing I did have was I went to prep and I bought you a present. Russell, Russell, Russell. What is that? So I suggest you open it and find out. Mm. Okay, I will say, having just had a vegan pepperoni pizza from Pizza Hut, the thought of more pastry is uh, slightly off-putting. But actually, that looks very good. What is it? Have an apple. So it's the um, uh, Crete Vegan Very Berry. So it's basic croissant with a load of kind of strawberry, raspberry-type jam. It's more, well, maybe a bit of blackberry. I mean, I think this thing, I think Pret being quite clever... Because most vegan croissants, oh, it's really good. Well, most vegan croissants tend to be very dry because they don't have mm. that kind of buttery thing going on, so, and they're better if they're heated up and they've got savoury stuff in that. That tends to work quite well. Um, with that, I think if they'd have just done like a bog standard croissant, it probably would have been okay. But Sarah, who's just eaten a vegan pepperoni pizza, is now chucking this down. It's and really good. Is really enjoying it. Mm. Keep talking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of sugar in. There's like this kind of glazed sugar thing going on. Um, mine was a little bit burnt. So, I mean, no. it's quite crunchy. Yeah, it is. But it may be because it's the end of the day and it's been sitting there since nine o'clock. But... I just really like jam as well. So, yeah. Anything with jam is a big winner with me. But, you know, the big thing for me is that this is now in every single prep. It's not in just, you know, the, ve- the veggie preps. It's in every single one of them. So you know where you can go. Anywhere you go, you'll be able to get one. So I think, you know, that's got to be a step in the right direction. Well, and also because the vegan breakfast thing, vegan breakfast anywhere, nightmare. So this is great because this is actually the only, pretty much the only mainstream breakfast option, right, that's been offered as part of Veganuary. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. I mean, you've got Coco de Mama do that very odd bacon thing. And they've got their black croissant as well, the carbon thing. Yeah, that's true. Which is really odd. But But it's not mainstream, is it? Whereas this... I have a dream. And my dream is that one day there's going to be really nice vegan croissants in every bakery in the land. Okay, good, excellent. And on that happy note, we will move on to the next segment. So, Ashley, I hear that you've got an ethical dilemma. And it's funny you should say that because this is what I'm curious about this week. Okay, yeah. Okay, what so, is it? well, it is, it's all about the, you know, the big elephant in the room with Veganuary mm-hmm. is uh, there's a very high-profile launch um, which isn't vegan for Veganuary. Uh, explain that to me again. Um, so it's Burger King. So they've launched yeah. this thing called the Rebel Whopper. Um, it's got mayonnaise in it. I'm sure you would take that out anyway. Yeah. Um, but they cook it in the same place they cook with their, their burgers. So they're basically saying it's not vegan, it's not even vegetarian because it's cooked where they cook their meat. Mm-hmm. But really interestingly, um, the Veganuary guys are all over it. So they're pushing it and saying... Um, they, you know, on their Insta, for example, they've got a video yeah. of a woman who says, I'm a vegan, I'm eating this, yeah. I'm okay with eating this because actually, um, you know, no, no additional animals were harmed in the kind yeah. of creation of this food, um, so I'm fine, chomp. 
Um, how do you feel about that, though? Would you go and eat it? Um, uh, it's. It, I guess I probably would, yeah, without mayonnaise. As long as it was plant-based, what I was putting in my mouth was plant-based. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would guess there's quite a lot of things like that in a similar vein that are... Well, chip shops. Right, yeah. Go to a fish and chip shop, they're still cooked in the same fry. So if you buy a bag of chips... Or any smaller kind of, you know, kebab shoppy type thing. Exactly. And also, you know, when you go out for dinner, you can't guarantee that your food is completely free of any animal derivatives. I mean, it's like it's cooked in the same kitchen. So I can solve your dilemma. Go on. Just don't eat out. (laughs) Or also, but don't buy any food from supermarkets because those bastards sell meat as well. But this is exactly the thing. It's like you can buy anything from anywhere and you can get criticised for basically supporting the economy that's driving meat consumption and damaging the planet and all these kinds of other things. You can get stuck in that cycle, can't you? Yeah. Of anxiety. It's like a constant vegan anxiety spiral. But I think as well, you know, I know I've bored you this theory before and I'll keep it quick. Veganism is not a destination. You don't get to this point where you are, I am now a gold star vegan. Yeah. It's a bit of a journey. Everyone like, you know, starts to give up up a few things. They kind of move on. It's a whole education process. Exactly. And this interview, which we're going to have in a minute now, that's kind of one of the things that, you know, the... The, yeah. the guy who's involved in it talks about that, you know, for him, it is a complete journey. Okay, so we've got an interview now with Peter Daly. So who's Peter Daly then? So Peter Daly is a uh, principal lawyer uh, at Slater Gordon. Um, so I think my understanding is that Slater Gordon specialist is like employment law. Um, yeah. So that's what they specialise in. Um, this uh, chap, Peter, has been appointed as the kind of lead counsel on this case. Um, so this is the ethical veganism case that we talked about earlier on. Um, it has just been announced hot off the presses at the beginning of January that um, the... For Veganuary. For Veganuary, in celebration <laughs> of Veganuary, ironically, um, that uh, veganism, ethical veganism, is being recognised as a philosophical belief. So this is um, a trial that has um, been taking place over the last several months. There was a big story about it last year um, because a chap called uh, Jordi Katmanjana uh, is effectively suing his employer for wrongful dismissal. And he I bet his employers are really dodgy, you know. <laughs> no, no, not at all, actually. They're a, they're a charity focused on the solving animal cruelty. It, it's the league against cool sports. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so really fascinating case, really high profile. Um, the findings have come out, um, or at least the first step of this case, which is that ethical veganism has been recognised as a philosophical belief and therefore it can be foundation for a discrimination case. So it will roll forward into February and then we there will be the hearing around um, whether he was uh, wrongfully dismissed because he was an ethical vegan. Um, but this is the first time in a court of law in the UK that a judge has recognised veganism, ethical veganism specifically, not plant-based or dietary veganism, as, as a kind of... Uh, protected characteristic in the same vein as like race or gender. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're obviously, and we'll just, you know, these are discussed in the interview, that there are obviously fairly serious implications for people who are employees, as in what they can yeah. expect in their jobs. Yeah. But also people who are employers in terms of how they then treat vegans. Exactly. Yeah. So it um, sounds like quite a good win then. It's going to be fascinating to see how the story unfolds. Um, but let's jump in and hear from the experts because uh, I think we 
wouldn't consider ourselves to be experts on either the law or ethical veganism. Do you, do you know what? I spend most Friday nights at home reading up, you know, papers on their employment law. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay, let's hear from the experts. Uh, this is our interview with Peter Daly. So we're very excited to be here with Peter. Welcome to Vegan Curious, Peter. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. I'm going to dive right into the first question, if you don't mind. No, by the way. Um, can you just start off by giving us the definition of ethical veganism and then talk a little bit about how it differs from dietary veganism that most people might, might be more familiar with? Sure. Uh, the definition that we relied on in the proceedings is the Vegan Society definition. Um, and that was, I think, page 144 of the trial bundle. Um, and that, that's what we relied upon. And I think that's a 1944 definition, which was updated possibly in the 1990s, but don't quote me on that. So if you want to know what the definition is, yeah. look that up on the Vegan Society website, and that's where we are. Now, the, the distinction between um, ethical veganism and dietary veganism, mm-hmm. to take a step back, the, the case that we brought was that there are four gateways into veganism. Yeah. Uh, you've got veganism for health, mm-hmm. veganism for the animals, for the environment, and for social justice. Right. Now, our case was one, each of those four are gateways into ethical veganism. And most ethical vegans pass through, or most vegans pass through one of those gateways mm-hmm. into ethical veganism. And once you are there um, and you pass through the gateway, you then become involved in or interested in and educated in the mm-hmm. other three categories. Yeah. So by and over time, uh, one becomes if I can use the phrase, more vegan, mm-hmm. or certainly more adept at practicing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, what that means is that dietary veganism is not uh, a, a fully formed uh, ethical vegan lifestyle. Um, it's more akin to having a plant-based diet. Yeah. Uh, if that, that terminology is slightly more helpful than, mm-hmm. than, than, than dietary veganism. But it is a, it can be a gateway into ethical veganism, yeah. in which you know the food that you eat is only one aspect of uh, a person's veganism, mm. albeit a very important one. Mm-hmm. Mm. So to pass through that gateway, yes. is there some sort of accreditation or something that people need to pass through? How does it, how does it work? How do you demonstrate or evidence the fact that you are an ethical vegan versus somebody on a plant-based diet or perhaps it, who's adhering to that because of one of those other four pillars that you mentioned? Well, well, it's not a question of um, having a badge or a certificate. I mean, it, Maybe it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to hang that on my wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it, 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 it's a question of your belief and it's a personal thing and it's an yeah. internal thing and it's, it's a question, I suppose, of conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, how you live your life is a matter for you. Yeah. And that's very much the case that, that, that Georgie brought, was that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 2001, Georgie became an ethical vegan after a long period of uh, vegetarianism. Um, he, he speaks in, in his witness statement, actually, about how difficult it was to give up cheese. Cheese was yeah. his last bridge. It's a familiar you know, tale. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, uh, and since 2001, you know, for Geordie, it's been very much a learning path and he becomes each year more uh, educated mm-hmm. and more adept and more committed yeah. to veganism. And of course, it, it is a learning curve. You learn, you know, as, as one progresses, one learns things that you'd never imagined might yeah. be the case. 
and you might even focus on certain aspects of your lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. in order to uh, improve, if you like. Yeah, I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- that was a, a crucial part of the case that we brought because uh, no, I hesitate to say no two ethical vegans have exactly the same mm-hmm. um, um, lifestyle or, or, or choices, but uh, certainly a person's ethical veganism changes and ideally improves yeah. uh, or refines is probably a better word over mm. time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because Geordie has been an ethical vegan since 2018, sorry, 2001, 18 years, 19 now. Yeah. Um, he is, you know, very adept at it and he's very advanced at mm-hmm. it and he has much greater depth of knowledge and experience. Yeah. That's not to say that somebody who becomes an ethical vegan mm-hmm. in 2020 is not an ethical vegan yeah. uh, simply because they don't have the same depth of knowledge as Geordie does, mm-hmm. the belief is the belief. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's simply the case that the longer that you follow the belief, the more information uh, you're able to absorb, and mm-hmm. therefore the more you can change your lifestyle, and the more the more ethical vegan yeah. your lifestyle becomes. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, and so, just with regard to the case, then, um, so we're sitting here. It's January. I know you've got a, a follow up hearing coming up in February. Um, the media have position this as as if this is a kind of landmark ruling and the ethical veganism is is a protected characteristic now in the eyes of the law is that is that technically correct or are we missing something no it is technically correct i mean i think some of the some of the commentary is focused on the fact that the employment tribunal is not um a court of binding authority or binding Mm -hmm. precedent and that's absolutely correct okay yeah but um the, 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 the value and the weight of this judgment is uh, that it, it applies a belief to the test yeah. and it comes up with a set of conclusions. I, I say it comes up with, we still don't have the written reasons, but we mm-hmm. do have the, the summary um, that the, the, the employment judge postal delivered on Friday, um, which makes it very clear what, what his conclusions are. Um, but it, yeah, so it applies... The, the, the test, which comes from a case called Granger and Nicholson, mm-hmm. uh, in which a new ph- philosophical belief, any new philosophical belief, is defined and applies that to ethical veganism yeah. as we framed it. So once you've got that set of reasons, um, you've got two choices: either you treat that as being um, uh, the, the the authority, if mm-hmm. you like, for ethical veganism to be seen as uh, a new philosophical belief. Or you say another case is going to come along yeah. in which the opposite conclusion will be found. Mm-hmm. Now, the likelihood of that happening, I would say, is so close to nil that you need not worry about it. You're not going to get a situation in which, uh, I, I don't think, um, a judge turns around and suddenly says, this is all wrong. Yeah. There's an aspect of ethical veganism that doesn't meet the Granger and Nicholson test mm-hmm. because it. it so plainly does. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would challenge anybody to, to, to find any legal commentator yeah. who would come to the conclusion, even before this judgment, that ethical veganism does not meet the test. So it's unlikely anyone, anyone's going to appeal then? Well, um, in, in our case, um, the, the respondent conceded, or had conceded, yeah. by, by the time of the hearing. This is the legal school sport. This is yes. So, I mean, now, you might say that it's unlikely that an animal rights charity would argue against ethical veganism, but they didn't. Um, the only way you can appeal against the judgment is if you lose a judgment. Yeah. And given that yeah. no position was taken, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. It's yeah. Not impossible that they could. Mm. But 
I must stress again, I have, we don't yet have the written reasons. And it's okay. not beyond the realms of possibility that there'll be something in there that somebody, one part or the other, takes issue to. Mm. Sure. But as to the, uh, you know, the fundamental conclusion, which is that ethical veganism is a philosophical belief, I cannot see any reasonable prospect at mm. all of any appeal arising from that. Do you think, I mean... This is probably beyond the scope of of the case, but do you think it opens the floodgates for other people to come forward and you know attempt to get their belief system recognised in the same way? Well, it is the nature of philosophical beliefs is that there is something quite intangible about them, and the test itself necessarily mm. is slightly opaque. It's a five stage test that considers whether or not the belief is genuinely held, whether it is clear cogent, whether it is necessary, uh, sorry, um, worthy of respect in a democratic society and doesn't infringe upon the rights of others, etc, etc. And a lot of these tests are not binary yes, no's. Yeah. They're not kind of yeah. ones and zeros. You can look at them in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this case does not change the law on philosophical belief. It's still the same test that you would apply mm-hmm. on any new belief you want to bring. Yeah. And there's lots of examples of, of cases being brought in the past and failing. There was a case called Gray and Mulberry in, in the Court of Appeal um, last year in, in, in which the claimant was seeking to establish the philosophical right to own her own copyrights mm-hmm. uh, and it was unsuccessful. Right. So these cases do come up okay. relatively yeah. frequently and I don't think this case is going to result in a flood necessarily of new philosophical belief cases. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but it's possible that the profile that this case has had yep. means that it's a bit more in the public conscious and mm-hmm. conscience, and, and therefore maybe you know, people will be more interested. Yeah. But it's not straightforward. You kind of need legal advice on it. And I think the first time you bring a slightly yeah. chunky potential case <laughs> to a lawyer, you're, you're, you should get yep. some good legal advice. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. So that, did you... It, Speaking of the media attention, did you expect it? I mean, this has been a huge story, particularly because it's been happening in Veganuary as well, and obviously that's helped contribute. But when when Geordie first came to you, did you think, yeah, I'm on to a winner? Well, when Geordie first came to me, I thought the claim had merit, and, and that, mm-hmm. that was clear um, very early on. I mean, obviously, any discussions I've had with Geordie are legally privileged, so I can't go into any sure. detail on those. Um but we lodged the claim and then we got a great deal of publicity on the BBC mm-hmm. or led by the BBC. It was then followed up everywhere else. Um, and the extent of that was surprising. I mean, I, I, I could see before that that this was something that would have interest. Um, Geordie crowdfunded the case and you could see from the crowdfunding page on crowdjustice.com that yeah. there was interest in it. Mm. Um but it, it it really did take off in, in, in December 2018 when, when the BBC ran ran a package on it. Mm. Um, and, you know, so it spiraled and spiraled Got and spiraled. Okay. Um, but, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right the point you make about it, that the timing of the hearing, um, you know, basically the first, the first working day after the new year, the start of yep. January, um, I think that potentially contributed a little bit mm. to quite how big the the story went mm. but let's not take away from the fact that it is a big deal I yeah. mean, there yeah. are on one estimation 600,000 vegans in the UK alone mm-hmm. of course that is going to that's an important story and it's going to get an awful lot of coverage yeah mm. yeah do you think uh either we have listeners in states australia and also across the eu 
Do you think it's, it's going to set an international precedent in any way? Well, I hesitate to comment on Australian or American or even EU law. Um, but bearing in mind that discrimination law in the UK is uh, something which is homegrown, but is also affected and shaped significantly by European and by EU uh, uh, convention law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a strong overlap. There, there was a there was a vegan uh, case in I believe two thousand and three in, in the European, uh, European Court of Human Rights, mm-hmm. in which it was conceded that veganism was an Article Nine belief. Uh, Article Nine is freedom of uh, religion and conscience. Um, so it's the closest article of the convention to the philosophical belief aspect of yeah. the Equality Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't go into the same detail as to why. Mm-hmm. And the case itself was ultimately unsuccessful. So it, it didn't carry the same right. way. But you know, in terms of the structure that the um, uh, Granger and Nicholson test applies in defining a new belief, it's very similar as far as I know, and again, I stress I'm not a lawyer of foreign jurisdiction, it's a similar approach that's taken in, in, in foreign jurisdictions and in common law jurisdictions. So the answer to your question is, yeah, I think there is a reasonable prospect yeah. that, that this will spread. How interesting. Yeah, watch this space then. Watch this space. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple of, couple of final questions for you um, before we wrap up. Um, what has been the most complicated element of the case so far the kind of real head scratcher, anything that you've come across that's really surprised you, um, or or that's been particularly tough. Um, I think I've, I, I'm going to give that question a swerve because <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Because, you've liked it; it's fine. Because the case is still ongoing. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But also because I have been blessed with a client who is very, very uh, easy to act for mm-hmm. on this case because his beliefs are so clear, yeah. consistent. Mm. Uh, and going back to the, my answer to your first question, the way that veganism grows and, mm-hmm. and the way that, that a, the merciful vegan sort of learns the belief, for want of a better phrase, um, does lend itself to providing evidence yeah. and it's, it's a very organic thing but it also generates you know the 13 1400 pages of, of evidence that we've got include reams of pages of receipts mm-hmm. which show Geordie uh, oh, wow. you know, yeah. buying online vegan products from yeah, vegan yes. websites show him uh, contacting airlines to inquire about vegan diet show him you know buying mm-hmm. um, vegan cupcakes for people's Christmas people's birthdays okay. and, you know, things like this okay so yeah, yeah. you know one thing we weren't short of was documentary evidence yeah got it which okay. which and that is often in a philosophical belief case that's the hardest bit okay because your internal thought processes no matter what your belief is yeah yeah are not something that you can kind of pull up on a screen right put, put in a bundle and show to a judge yeah um but as I said, so that's why with, with, with Geordie's case, it was actually very helpful. So your veganism is reflected on a daily basis just by, you know, every time yeah. you try something. This is it. Your habits, you your know, consumerism, so it's yeah. Prove. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not just consumerism, but that's a big, big part big, of it. Big part mm. of it. Yeah, of course, yeah. and, and of course, with, with, with Geordie, you know, here's a guy who writes and here's a guy who campaigns. Yeah. Here's a guy mm-hmm. who has generated, you know, he's done podcasts and he's done, he did a, 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 an internet radio show. And mm-hmm. He wrote a novel. You know, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There, he wrote a novel in 2001, which it, 
in the period in which he was converting. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we were not short of evidence. Exactly. Which yeah. is usually the hardest bit in a philosophical belief play. Got it. Um, yeah. So you asked me what was the hardest bit. Yeah. I just told you what was the easiest bit. The easiest bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um well maybe 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 something will happen but uh in the next month or so or something that will be the head scratcher but um Mm. i think that that's uh it sounds like a pretty pretty good case it's pretty strong case on the basis of that Mm. 18 years of your paper trail proving how vegan you are Mm. um so save your receipts everybody exactly (laughs) um so just in real life then outside of the law for just a second what does it mean for so Ashley and I are both vegan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Ashley went and got a part-time job in Starbucks tomorrow, and they said, "Here's an apron," and some of it was made of leather or whatever it might or be, or they asked me to cook meat. Yes, or exactly. Or you work in a restaurant and you're asked to cook meat. Well, what does it mean for everyday equality law, discrimination law, the Equality Act? It lives in the real world. Yeah. So it recognises that people are put in positions sometimes which can can conflict with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, there are mechanisms within the Equality Act which would protect an employer who felt that it was a requirement. There's a, there's a, a concept called the genuine occupational requirement, and that mm-hmm. is a defence uh, to, to allegations of, of discrimination. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the likelihood of an ethical vegan seeking out and getting a job in which they're required to cook meat is pretty unlikely that the prospect yeah. of somebody who is in a job and is moved from you know if you if you work in Sainsbury's and mm-hmm. you're moved from Chelstack into the butchery counter yeah mm-hmm. that's when the issue can arise yeah got sure. it yeah mm-hmm. um and so you know it, it, it's a question of uh working in the real world speaking to your manager and saying look here's the thing mm-hmm. these are my beliefs yeah. and you're asking me to do something which is contrary to my beliefs mm-hmm. One would hope that most managers yeah. would be sensible about that. Mm-hmm. If they're not, tell them to Google Casa Mitjana and the League Against Cruel Sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if not, go and see a discrimination lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, it, 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 you know, the, the idea that there is going to be a huge floodgate opened of employment tribunal claims mm-hmm. based on this, I think is wide of the mark. There will okay. be cases. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but in order to bring a successful discrimination claim, you need uh, a philosophical belief discrimination claim. You need to show three things. Mm-hmm. You need to show number one that the belief is covered. Mm-hmm. We've got that. Number two, you need to show that the claimant has the belief. So mm-hmm. that will depend on the individual concern. Yeah. And you know, uh, somebody who, who simply has a plant-based diet is unlikely to pass that. It is yeah. about the, the, the philosophical belief, not just the diet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to show that the discrimination was because of the protected characteristic and was not subject to any statutory defence. Mm-hmm. So, mm. you know, this this, yeah. this judgment's incredibly important and, and it recognises uh, ethical veganism for what it is, mm-hmm. which is a protected philosophical belief. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that there's going to be hordes of vegans heading down Kingsway knocking mm-hmm. on the door of London Central Employment Tribunal yeah. next week mm-hmm. with claim form in hand. That's That's not what it is. And so what then would you advise a case? I, so I guess the obvious example is if people are working for vegan companies, they have staff canteens and there's no vegan food. Yeah. And you're in a situation whereby you constantly ask for vegan food um, and it's not, you know, you're not capable. Yeah. Um, would there be a case there or? Potentially. 
potentially there would be a case there. I mean, you're looking at uh, a direct discrimination or even even potentially a harassment claim. Direct discrimination is where a person is treated less favourably on the grounds of their protected philosophical belief. If you're not being given subsidised food, for example, yeah. when meat-eating colleagues are, then that could be less favourable treatment. Or if um, uh, conduct by the employer has the purpose or effect of creating a hostile, intimidating or uh, an unwanted uh, yeah. environment, then that's statutory harassment. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, possibly. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a question of dialogue. Yeah. I mean, veganism, ethical veganism is something which has been around a very, very long time, but it's getting a, popular, a popularity mm-hmm. that it hasn't had previously. And a lot of employers just won't spot it and be up on it. But yeah. I think, yeah. you know, wherever possible, the answer is to try and have a dialogue with your employer. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely that an employer is going to want to go out of their way to deliberately subject somebody to harm, particularly if hopefully they read the press coverage of this and realise exactly. there's, mm. sure. there's a litigation risk. For yeah, yeah. It can only educate people more, right? I mean, that's that that's the benefit of it being such a high-profile case that hopefully more teams internally within large organisations understand and can accommodate that's everybody. Right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as more and more people turn to, to, to veganism. Mm, exactly. Are you one of those people? Is the final question that I was going to ask. <laughs> um, How plant-based are you? I'm not, is the answer to okay, that. Yep. I'm not, but I've been plant-based since Saturday. Uh, partly because of Geordie's case and because um, I feel like I should be yeah. having done all this. Partly because my 10-year-old daughter is vegan and oh, my wife yeah. uh, and by extension me and my younger daughter are doing veganuary. Got so it. as of the, what are we, the 7th of January, yeah. Yeah, pretty plant-based. Yeah. As of the 31st of December... Not so far. Not so far. <laughs> <laughs> but watch this space. Watch this space. <laughs> um, Peter, thank you so much. Um, you've been a brilliant guest. Um, we'll be looking forward to February. Yes. Thank you for having me. Save the planet and make it heal. You can help by eating a vegan meal. Come join us if you're vegan curious. Nothing tastes as good as being vegan feels Come join us if you're vegan curious And don't feel sad, don't feel blue So it ain't so bad, I swear it's true Just use the right condiments And you'll even like tofu don't be furious, just be vegan curious. Life is good, life is sweet. When on your plate there is no meat, come join us if you're vegan curious. Come join us if you're vegan curious.